This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good morning. It's Monday. It's the 21st of March. I'm Tabitha McIntosh in the breakfast slot. And today I'm talking to a teacher who was banned from teaching for two years for writing a completely anonymized blog. If a rude comment falls in a forest and no one reads it, did it make a sound at all? You'll find out over the next hour and a half. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello everyone. So last week I interviewed Alexander Price, who is better known to most of us from the online world as Provoked Pedagogue. I'll be playing clips of that interview and giving you a chance to comment and join in. But first, let's uh, lay out some of the issues that have arisen with blogging um, as it interacts with our free speech and social media and teaching. Always a desperately terrifying combination. Um, high profile cases recently, Will Noland, English teacher at Eton, was dismissed from his English teaching position, not so much for making a video about how patriarchy is right and actually women are genetically programmed to want to serve men or something. I couldn't make it through the whole thing, but because he refused to take it down when asked. But he was using his real name and, and he still does. So that's a slightly different case. Um, the first school I started at, Chesham Grammar School. When I started there, um, all the students very excitedly told me that they'd got a French teacher fired for writing a blog. And indeed, that was uh, June 2007. Um, A French teacher called Julie Boys was writing a completely anonymous blog, French Miss, in which she uh, called her pupils allegedly, well, she didn't allegedly, it was in the the blog, thick. And and she was forced to resign, essentially, because the situation was untenable for her. Let's see. So other things, the thing I remembered as well that the parents had got really upset about, it was called Miss Frenchie's World. And Miss Boys said, sorry, round here it's Chesham Boys. I realised I should be saying Bois. Miss Bois said she hated shaking the hands of parents, who she des- which she described as wet and flabby, as well as poking fun at the students who had failed exams. One comment said, parents' evenings are a real killer. I hate having to shake all those hands. Right? And another entry, even if kids can be a real pain in the neck, they still manage to make me laugh with their stupidity. Now, actually, I think both of those comments, I wouldn't be surprised to see on Twitter with our actual names attached. I mean, you might want to think a little bit around it, but shaking hands, the necessity of it, mm, don't know. But anyway, she found her situation, as I said, untenable. She resigned and that had been picked up by The Sun, which broke the story in the first place. And then it it pleased the children to no end, let me tell you, when they felt like they'd got one over on her. Um, But she did not lose her teaching career. She was free to go on and teach another day, perhaps thinking more about how to anonymise her blog even better. Um, In 2012, there was a case that blew up enormously in the United States. Um, A teacher called Natalie Monroe, um, teaching near where I used to live in the outskirts of Philadelphia. Um, She was a 30-year-old 11th grade English teacher and wasn't very fond of her students or their behaviour. So she started a blog called um, Natalie M, 
was the name she used. It's not brilliant anonymization there, Ms. Monroe, but there you go. In which she slammed her pupils for being, quote, frightfully dim, lazy whiners and utterly loathsome. Right. She took the blog down. Uh, the school board voted to fire her. She countersued. They, you know, there was a lot of back and forth about the meaning of free speech. America's kind of bound by things a bit more differently, a bit differently rather than we are. But those those two very, very high profile cases locally or nationally, in the case of Natalie Monroe's blog, um, kind of lead us to what Alexander did, provoke pedagogue. So I'm going to read you how The Sun framed it, because the framing of it is interesting and he's going to have a chance to talk about that. If you've heard of this blog, you'll remember the particular blog post that all of the press circulated around. And indeed, it's the headline in the sun here. I'm just going to read it. A teacher has been struck off for writing a gossip blog describing schoolgirls as dressing like, quote, Eastern European prostitutes and Kardashian clones, end quote. So those six words are the words most associated with this blog. That's what's in the Daily Mail headline, what's in the Sun headline, what's in everybody's headlines. Um, a misconduct hearing was told he offended pupils, parents and colleagues with his blog called The Provoked Pedagogue about school life. In one article titled The Problem with Prom, Mr Price called the event a shallow, vacuous affair about nothing more than who has spent the most on looking nice. He said, girls often ended up looking like a cross between Eastern European prostitutes and transhuman Kardashian clones and said boys at the bash snorted coke. In another article, Mr Price referred to the head teacher, Dr Paul Evans, as Grimmer Wormtongue, a character from Lord of the Rings, adding that he slithered around the school in a foul mission. Former design and technology teacher Mr Price said he wrote the blogs as a cathartic exercise and tried to make them colourful and entertaining. But a panel ruled the posts were inappropriate, offensive or derogatory and found he had committed unacceptable professional conduct. So then they go back to the article about prom, which again is just one article, in a very long running, completely anonymised blog. In the article about prom, he said girls would spend nine out of 12 months planning for the event when they should be learning. He added, the prom means more to them than GCSE results. The pressure builds and builds, and when they should be studying, they are on ASOS instead. Young girls in schools, fresh face or pimpled, are plastered in makeup because they feel pressure from all angles, often including the school. He said the girls wear makeup so thick that when it cracks, it rivals tectonic plates. Then there's the fake tan, ludicrous shades and colours that defy even the unlimited variations provided by the human gene. The teacher said some pupils had literacy so poor they cannot read the instructions on sachets of brown goop that leak into every pore. Chair Steve Powell said the comments were critical, they were disrespectful, they were likely to cause offence to any pupil or parent who came across the article. Mr Price admitted writing the blogs but denied they amount to unacceptable professional context. He said the panel had not read the blogs in the proper context and that many of the extracts they had read aloud had the opposite point of the articles as a whole. Mr Price's union representative, Colin Adkins of NASUWT, said the ruling was chilling in that it has inhabited free speech. In a statement to the panel, Alexander Price said, I find it ridiculous you say you have considered these comments in their entirety because you blatantly haven't. The process is clearly designed to cover up the failings of a failing school, a school which accepts homophobic, racist and misogynist language from pupils as part of its normal behaviours. Now, if you're listening, 
the articulacy and passion for social justice, which provoked pedagogue shows there in his comments, seems glaringly at odds with this infamous six words, Kim Kardashian clones and Eastern European prostitutes. But as we'll see, um, there's the, the context of his blog post and of his teaching career in that school do provide quite vital correctives to the way it was being shown. So, and I, I will be, be questioning him quite closely about his choice of language. Here's how The Guardian contextualised it um, in a much more sympathetic article towards um, what they argued was a case of teachers being over-penalised, over-prosecuted, systems breaking down and things which should be dealt with at um, a school level or a local authority level that would have been dealt with at those levels before, instead being taken to national tribunal bodies and really draconian results coming out of that. So what The Guardian pointed out is that uh, Alexander Price said he was not criticising the students, but instead the school for using the prom as a reward, giving out the wrong message by encouraging pupils to value how they looked rather than what they had achieved. He had recently returned from Texas, supporting his department's team of four 15-year-old girls who were competing for Wales in the finals of the International Formula One Schools Engineering Championship. In a series of anonymous blogs, he complained about management of the school, which he felt accepted poor behaviour and had low expectations of the students. So if you'd listened to The Sun, all he was doing was being mean about students, like crassly misogynistic and mean. The Guardian gives us a slightly different view. Actually, he's blogging about a school he perceives as failing, whose students are struggling, and as we'll see, especially whose female students. So what was he actually blogging about? Why did he start? What's his version of the story? Let's hear from him. It's about that time. So a little bit of background here. Um, DT teacher Alexander Price did his degree in his mid-30s um, with an extra year to make it an educational degree after several years of being a jack of all trades. His first teaching job um, was 0.2 teaching and 0.8 cover supervising. Baptism of fire, as anyone who's been a cover supervisor, as I have, can, uh, can absolutely confirm. Um, at the next job, which was a very successful former girls boarding school, which he'll be talking about when he talks about the issues with girls education and attainment in his town, um, he was on 0.8. So where we're gonna join him in my first clip from the interview, is he's recounting getting his first full-time teaching job and what he finds himself walking into. You know, obviously I went for wanting to get a full-time job. Um, and unfortunately the place I got the full-time job, it was just like, just like a cesspit. Uh, it was backstabbing, you know, hence why I call one of the blogs liars, backstabbers and empire builders. Mm -hmm. um, because there was just, it, there was, I mean, there was a, you know, the stuff that's that's in the blog, there was a coup d'etat um, by the, the deputy head to oust the headmaster. And the headmaster prior to that had uh, signed up with um, some IT firm, you know, for half a million quid's worth of netbooks, which ended up getting scrapped and that you know he, nobody knows who, who paid for it it's just so there was stuff going on left right and center and the the, the guy who ended up as the headmaster is a guy called paul evans who was uh, caught in a telegraph sting and um, cheating on exams uh, oh. when he was um because he was working for the wjc at the time i mean all this is on the record all yeah. you've got to do is, is is google it and you can find it 
Um, and uh, so he was giving seminars telling teachers that they only had to teach half the curriculum um, because he knew what, what questions were coming up. And so that, that was kind of like the, you know, that, that was the, the, the culture, if you like. Um, and of course, being in DT, 50% um, coursework, um, they would shovel the most difficult kids into the most dangerous room in the school mm. um, and then apply pressure to, to get you to cheat to make sure that those kids passed exams um, or got some sort of qualification and uh, I just didn't think that was right. Um, so that was really what, what started me off writing. Um, and they, they, I mean, obviously they were bringing in new initiatives all the time. So they brought in something called the uh, the TEEP program, the Teacher Effectiveness something or other, one of these mad consultant things. And they wanted to go from a three-part lesson plan to a four-part lesson plan uh, with like cleaners and sub-cleaners. And then they brought in, a, the behaviour was shocking in the school, so they brought in another consultant um with a a, a a book a very sort of famous book about <laughs> some some people making changes within schools i don't want to say too much but oh, I, I know, know, know what you mean yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and um it was just it just went from bad to worse and it was dangerous you know um, there were kids openly smoking cannabis which i'm not necessarily saying it's a problem i'm hardly an angel myself but you know you don't really you know realistically if there's kids openly smoking cannabis in the school that something's gone drastically wrong that they feel they're able to do that um you know and there was it, it was getting to the point where the language that the students were using uh, they'd moved from like swearing to using the word nonce to describe members of staff and it was just i just felt it was a matter of time before something really really yeah. serious happened uh, to, to a member of staff or to a student um and the, you know i blogged a couple of posts for me again i won't go into it here just just because obviously now it's it's out in the open but there was some real serious sort of sexual assault stuff that went on and it was just it, it was wrong it was broken um and so i tried to raise things through the correct channels um you know i spent one easter writing a, a really big well-researched email to the guy who was the behavior lead in the school um and it just basically ignored it brushed it under the carpet and so I didn't really feel like I had anywhere to turn. And of course, when you're in that scenario, the money, you need the money, you need the wage. You know, I've got family, I've got uh, bills to pay. And so I just felt myself really backed into a corner. So uh, it was at that point and then I started to sort of write um, just from a, a catharsis, really, um, just to sort of deal with it. And and, uh, and it sort of picked, picked up a little bit of traction. And then, of course, that massaged my ego. Um, um, you know, and 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 that's really, really the, the story of where it came from. You know. So I asked him about readership next. Um, this blog, at its peak, uh, as he says, he's a nerd, so he's he tracks all these things very, very carefully. The readership at its peak was sixteen hundred hits in one month. Um, in the blog, he did a variety of things to make it completely anonymous. He conflated Welsh and English organisation names so that you couldn't definitively say which country the blog was based in. Um, he checked the ISP of visitors and monitored for anyone 
whose ISP indicated that they were very near the school, that they were in the town or even in the local area. Um, he didn't mention, obviously, his name, his head teacher's name, the town, anything. It was completely anonymized. Um, he had a Twitter account associated with it. Um, and that was it. It didn't have very many followers, I think. I think he said again about one and a half thousand or something. So really quite a self-contained blog that was, as he argues there, a cathartic place to deal with his own frustrations about behavior in a school, um, management in a school that he had formally complained about and which nothing had happened. Um, what I was interested in is, is what the headmaster was bringing to the hearing, which was, uh, I read some of this earlier, but again, um, this is as it was covered by Wales Online, who you know went to the hearing like every other newspaper went to the hearing. It was a juicy story because we got those six words about transhuman Kim Kardashian clones and Eastern European prostitutes. Um, the, what the headmaster was bringing up was not that. He was bringing up head teacher Dr. Paul Evans told a hearing how teacher Alexander Price wrote anonymous articles referring to him as Grimmer Wormtongue, a sycophantic character from Lord of the Rings. Mr. Price described the head, as Mr. Evans said, as slithering round the school in a foul mission in his secret online diary. So I'm going to go back. We'll, we'll ask him a little bit about that. That is it's quite clearly... Um... It's quite clearly quite personal because he says head teacher oh, Dr. Paul Evans told a disciplinary hearing how teacher Alexander Price wrote anonymous articles referring to him as Grimmer Wormtongue, a sycophant character from Lord of the Rings. I mean, for God's sake, that's hardly a crime. Yeah. He might he might feel salty about it, but that's not a reason to yeah. ban someone from teaching. Yeah, well. I yeah, I mean, the, the, the Grim Worm Tongue is because obviously, he, you know, the, the character in Lord of the Rings, he literally whispers poison into the king's ear. Um, and this this was what was happening with the school at the time because Evans had designs on being the headmaster. Um, and it was Evans who went round and uh, did a, a round robin letter with basically a vote of no co no confidence in the head in the headmaster. So he, you know, on the one hand, he was supposed to be um, his uh, deputy, um, and on the other hand, he was going around collating, um, a, you know, a, a, a vote of no confidence, which he delivered to the uh, to the head of education at the LEA. Um, all the all the other members of the senior leadership team signed this letter because obviously you know everyone was at that time probably rightfully so, um, but there was only one uh, name that wasn't on the letter. Guess who? <laughs> <laughs> Paul Evans. So you know, it's just uh, just the it's just a snake, it's just a snake in a, the grass, you know. A snake who really didn't like the way you described him, because again, the next yeah. thing he quotes is, well, yeah, I mean, look, listen, is that slithering around the school on a foul mission he really took you personally he took this blog personally yeah, yeah. And, and, and i think the, the, the trouble is, is is it's true you see um and, and a lot of my defense throughout all of the um the disciplinary procedure was well how can something be derogatory if it's true why are you denying that this happened and at mm. no point did he make any denials to anything so yeah okay the language is uh savory but it was written in a way to entertain it was written oh, yeah, know, no, that's that no, was where i was yeah. coming from yeah, yeah. Uh, but you, you know so you look listen if any of it was libelous 
then he would libel, you know, he'd libel me, but can't, it's not libelous because it's true. Because he, you know, that's what he did. And so, at no point during any of these um, investigations. Which is quite crucial. So he's never been accused of libel. None of it has ever been um, been refuted. He and his union uh, representative, as we'll discuss, presented a series of facts as context for the blog. Um, is any of this untrue? Here's all the proof that it's true. Here's all the inspector reports. Here's all the documented facts of the case. Here's the you know transcript of, of various people's trials for various things. And none of it was they just refused to take any of that into account. They refused to engage with any of it. They instead just kept saying that it was derogatory and demeaning, his representation of the school, and that that was unprofessional conduct. Right. When we come back from the news, we're going to find out about reputational damage and how Alexander tried to react when they first um, accused him of writing the blog. and then. Or consider for a bit that question of what reputational damage happens to a school if it's discussed in private and who's responsible for the reputational damage when that goes very very public first the news this episode of teachers talk radio has been made possible with support from witherslack group the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cats. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk. Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure that Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. Introducing Autism Aspirational Futures, a virtual SEN conference for parents and carers. Do you work with parents or carers of students with autism? If so, this free virtual conference from Witherslack Group can support them and you providing inspiring talks from leading experts, offering practical advice on supporting children and young people with autism and associated needs. This very special event will take place during Autism Acceptance Week and is sure to be an enjoyable occasion for everyone wanting to develop their knowledge, understanding and celebrate their children's amazing superpowers. 
Don't miss out. Register for free at witherslackgroup.co.uk today. Witherslack Group, the leading provider of schools and children's homes for children with special educational needs. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In Wales, COVID cases among pupils and school staff have fallen slightly in the past week. Public Health Wales said cases reported by schools did not mean that infection took place there. This week, whole year groups have been sent home to work due to staff absences, with head teachers saying they cannot secure supply cover when staff are off for COVID and non-COVID reasons. Of the total 694 cases in the six days to March the 15th, 454 were in primaries, 177 in secondaries and 63 in other, which includes independent and special schools and pupil referral units. Surfers Against Sewage, a Cornish charity based in St Agnes, is calling on the government to help make all schools free of single-use plastics by the end of the year. Surfers Against Sewage says, In 2018, the Education Secretary urged all schools to eliminate their use of single-use plastic by 2022. We are now in 2022, and the government have done nothing to support schools in achieving this. Emily van de Geer, Education Manager for Surfers Against Sewage, said The reason we want to do this as a collective activism action is so that schools can all join together at the same moment in time and make a voice so loud that the government has no choice but to listen. They have a really powerful voice and if we can help work with young people on knowing the power of that voice and where they can direct their energy and really encourage them all to become ocean activists, then we can really drive that change. Pupils in Portreath are among those who have been working hard to drive that change. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to look at technology and supporting us getting lunch. Why? Because I asked every teacher I met last week if they had lunch regularly, and most of them said no. The reason being, they're too busy most days. Now, right off the bat, I'm not going to discuss any types of diet. This is just about getting lunch. Simple ways to get calories in to power the body. As always, I've tested these things out for you and added my humble opinion. First, and with zero extra cost, using the technology of the freezer. You can freeze a sandwich. I quite like this idea as it stopped me eating a sandwich in the car on the way to a school. If I know a sandwich is there, it calls to me. Calls to me. Calls. It being frozen meant I had to wait. 
The downside is making the sandwich. However, throwing 10 slices of bread down, adding filling and then into a Ziploc bag would be quite easy on a Sunday evening. You might need quite a bit of space in your freezer though. Next, I used a trusty thermos mug and noodles. I thought it was a good idea, but unlike a sandwich that you can eat on the go, I needed a fork and then had to consider not dripping it on my tie, so I actually had to stop and eat. So not as simple as a frozen sandwich, but I did have a hot lunch. Now hold on to your hats. I tried this again. I did enjoy a hot lunch, so I smashed the noodles up before I put the water in the second time around. That day, I drank my lunch. No need to find a fork, lid off, quick swig of noodles, genius. The downside I can see is washing the mug. I know I'll find it on the draining board waiting to be washed when I want to get out the door. Finally, I tried a snack bar. You can get these quite cheap online and you can find them to match most dietary needs. It was definitely the easiest option, but would be the most expensive over time. For me, it didn't feel as lunch-like, if I was being totally honest, but it did the job of rapid calorie input on the go. So, in conclusion, if you're not having lunch, why not try one of these ideas? You will definitely feel better for it. P.S. I googled International Lunch Day and it actually exists. However, it's on the 10th of March, so we've missed it. Gutted. As always, don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. Tell us what you have for your lunch. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome back, everyone. If you're just joining us, I'm Tabitha McIntosh. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and I'm on the breakfast show today. I am talking to and about the case of Alexander Price, who was suspended, um, who's taken off the register for teaching for two years for writing a completely anonymized blog about his school. Now, what the um, we'll be coming to it shortly. What the press coverage, the most sensational national press coverage, focused on was one entry, um, one line from one entry about um, the school prom. But as we've been listening to, what the blog was primarily about was behaviour in the school, processes in the school, and overwhelmingly management in the school. Um, It's one of those ones where one is tempted to check for libelous accusations, but as Alexandra has told us, just Google anything that's come up so far is all on the public record, which is what he'd said throughout his trial. Now, over his hearing, what did he do when the investigation started? I'm going to do these two things slightly out of order because I'm saving the excitement for how they found his blog in the first place. As I've said, and if you didn't hear it, it was completely anonymized in that you couldn't even tell what country it was written in. Was it Wales? Was it England? Who knows? Where in either England or Wales? Also, unplaceable. Very small readership, right? 1600 hits at most in any given time period. Small Twitter following associated. So really a completely private, well not private, but a completely anonymous place where Alexander could vent, having, as he said, gone through procedures to try and actually deal with things at his school, in his workplace, that hadn't worked. So, where we're picking up now is what he did when the investigation started. Yeah, any of these disciplinary hearings, I was asking these questions. I was saying, well, look, listen, which is worse, me telling you or it happening? And I just battered it away every single time, and it was just so bizarre. Um, I mean, when when the first disciplinary hearing is, I made an official attempt to resign um, because obviously it was, you know, there was no way I was getting back in there, um, and uh, you know, I knew that that, that 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 was the situation. So I made an offer to resign. At that point, no nobody had read the blog except, you know, except as a result of their investigation. Um, so no parents had read it, nobody in the communities had read it, 
Um, and I offered to resign. I said I would permanently remove the blog. Um, and they refused to take my resignation. And they said that no matter what, we will progress this as a disciplinary matter. Um, so I would, I would have resigned, uh, gone off to do something, and they would have progressed the matter without me. Um, and that would have come back to bite me, say, for example, yeah. if I went to get another educational job, um, six months down the line, that would be it. The, the, the show would be over. So they, they really put me in a corner um, where I had to, you know, I had to sort of engage with that process. And then, of course, from my perspective, you know, on full pay on gardening leave, um, I want that process to last as long as possible. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, which, which is what I did. But it, it wasn't, a, um, you know, it wasn't out of spite. It was out of necessity because oh, otherwise yeah. I wouldn't have even been able to have a say. No, no, I um, think, yeah. So, yeah, so I, mean, I, just, I think it's important to sort of back up and clarify that is that there was no reputational damage initially. If they're making a case for reputational damage, there was no reputational damage initially. They they heard of this blog, investigated, decided it was you, which I'll ask you about next. Um, at which point you offered to resign and delete it, at which point no one outside essentially the head's office had read it. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so exactly they, they did the reputational damage themselves in an effort to discipline you. Yeah. Yeah. And we, 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 me and the, uh, me and the, the union representative repeatedly made that point in every single meeting, in every single disciplinary, um, a part of that process. That was our in our opening statement. You do understand if you progress this matter, it will be you that puts this matter into the public mm. sphere. Nobody else. And they just would not listen. Just wouldn't have it. You know. Um, and so it went. It went the full distance. Um, and uh, the second that it, it was a hearing in front of the Educational Wel uh, Welfare Council, a uh, workforce council, um, those hearings are public and they're always attended by press. Um, and it was instantly going to be one of those stories that that, that got traction. Mm -hmm. um, I think they were gambling that the public perception would be on their side. And rather, it fell the other way, and, and, and the majority, I mean, there was not everybody, but the majority of people said, mm, maybe you shouldn't have said it quite like that, but he is right, which is the crack. Yeah, and um, a part of this interview that, that I haven't included here, uh, Alexander talks about um, looking at, again, using his, his infinite, I'm a proper nerd, he said, and so he made a spreadsheet where he tracked comments, um, you know, reader comments on all of these stories on the Daily Mail appearances on Wales Online. And especially on the Daily Mail, he found that 97% of them supported him in this. So the school, again, to clarify my clarification, I already gave completely anonymous blog. No one's read it in the community. No parents have read it. No students have read it. No teachers have read it. No one's read it. But by insisting on taking it to a public hearing, the school then blows up nationally. So everyone reads it. Um, <laughs> about being 97% supported by Daily Mail readers. He was a bit rueful about that because they don't really, he said, represent his politics. Yet no one, no one I think wants to find out that below the line, the Daily Mail loves them. It's like, oh no, where have I gone wrong in my life? But, <laughs> but nevertheless, that was the general reaction. So yeah. My next question was then, of course, 
how did they find out about this blog? If you were doing so well at keeping it anonymous, if it truly didn't flag up anything which would cause the school community or the teaching community to be able to identify where you were writing about, how on earth did they find it? So that's what he's talking about next. And um, the investigation, jaw-dropping, just jaw-dropping. I mean, I, I obviously don't don't go into too much detail, don't speculate about people in some kind of libelous way, but how do you think they came across your blog then? How did they work out it was you? How did they even know they were being talked yeah. about? Do you know what? It's so sketchy. Um, I mean, they did give an official version, um, which was just, I mean, I, I, I could... I provided evidence that their official version was not the case. So they basically said a member of staff had just come across the blog and recognised the school. And so at that point, I'd done an analysis of the IP addresses that had read the blog. Um, and I pulled this data out and I said, right, well, okay, so if that's the situation, um, what town was the person and on what date? Um, and they refused to engage with that. Um, so I was like, well, look, I've got a list of the IPs. I've got a list of the towns. I can't get any tighter than that. Um, so you tell me what day that happened and you tell me what town it happened in. And I can, I, I can cross-reference that across this data and they just wouldn't entertain it. You know, so I'm pretty confident the official, the official line um, that they gave um, what wasn't, what had actually happened, what, what I think had happened, and it, I mean, I know this sounds kind, kind of complicated and convoluted, but at the time as well, there was a, um, so there was a, uh, um, oh, what's it called when they, uh, when everybody forgets to a consultation um, on the uh, management structure. So the school role was falling. So they were having a consultation to try and remove the the TLRs and uh, some of the management positions within the school. Uh, this affected um, two of my immediate colleagues. Um, so they were sort of under pressure, really. And they were also fighting this consultation via the union in order to protect their TLRs. Yeah. Um, I think what happened was um, that, that they were put into a, a situation because one of, one of those colleagues knew, um, and of course, I mean, if you know, if one of those colleagues knew about the blog, then there's a potential they could have told another colleague. So I think that that is the more likely story, and I think they were put into a, a position where they felt they had no choice but to uh, but to reveal the um, reveal the blog. Um, so that that's what I think. But I don't actually know. Um, but I do know that they employed a, um, uh, an investigator who produced uh, a report which ran to 120 pages. Um, so they basically, went, yeah, they went to the blog um, and then they went to the Twitter. There was 20,000 tweets at the time and they produced a 120 page report um, which found on the balance of probability that I was likely the author of the blog so they weren't even coming to me and saying it's you you know we know 100 percent it's you um we found on the balance of probability that we we believe it's you um i mean they went they, they went to the extent so they trawled my twitter and pulled out four or five photographs and they revisited the area that the photograph was took and retook the photograph to say that this person was in 
this town on this date and that was you know and they, they made maybe 30 or 40 different connections like that um another one was a photograph of a uh, uh, uh some shopping bags in a staff room with a partial sticker with the word Simon on it. It wasn't even a full word. It wasn't even a full sticker. It was a part of a sticker. Um, you know, so, they, you know, I'm, I'm sort of reading this and it was, it, you know, I mean, I suppose it felt pretty invasive at the time. Yeah. But I mean, it, I was laughing, and laughing really. I mean, how much did they spend investigating you? I mean, to produce, you know, and it was, you know, I mean, they, 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 when I say 120 pages, the blog itself was not included within that because they printed out the whole blog. Um, so the actual report itself was 120 pages. Um, and it just the levels of, you know, um, and, and like I say, it still wasn't a hundred percent me um you know just bizarre just absolutely bizarre so when obviously they presented me with this um and then um they presented an evidence pack and then the first uh disciplinary meeting i went to was was like uh, an investigation meeting or just to basically lay out the the terms of reference that they were using for the um and um the first question the investigator asked me was did you write the blog and i said yes and it was just like so if the head would have asked me three months ago when they started if he would have asked me in honesty that question i would have said yes then as well mm. you know so it, it was just disproportionate they were they were absolutely 100 percent out for blood um and it was absolutely personal um what was the yeah, no what, what was the the grounds upon which I mean because like they're saying over inappropriate offensive or derogatory blog posts but you haven't named the school yeah there's no reputational damage yeah. you've not even named the country the school is in I don't yeah, I yeah, don't no, really no. understand the grounds upon which you were disciplined at all yeah because they just they, they had it in their head they were going to do it and then my uni guy who was really really good um colin adkins at the nasuwt and uh it's actually it's actually worth having a bit of a troll through colin's press actually because he's had some cracking press over the years um absolute diamond guy um parent of a uh sen child um who you know he's really really knows his stuff and he really he, he, he's he's he, you know i i can't speak highly enough of him he, he, he was an absolute um an absolute godsend throughout the situation um and to be just sort of you know in the first meeting he said listen he said they're gonna have you no matter what he said we'll you know and we'll have as much fun with it as we possibly can <laughs> um and that and, and that that's what we did really um you know so i mean some of the arguments Right, so that's where we are at this point. Um, absolutely, I would love to know how much that investigation cost and how much it took to bring to trial. And this is the thing I keep coming back to. Can you do reputational damage if no one knows who you're talking about and no one's really reading what you're writing? If a mean comment about your head teacher falls in a forest and your head teacher isn't around to hear, should you lose your job for that? Should you be struck off teaching for two years? So what I wanted to talk to him about next was the bit that, as I say, genuinely gave me pause that I think gave lots of us pause. Um, some people said when when I said I was interviewing him, I really didn't like that language. I didn't, it was, it was you know, I felt racist, uh, othering of, of a variety of people, sex workers, anyone from Eastern Europe, 
Um, it seemed to be objectifying the girls, etc., etc. Um, remember those famous five words: Eastern European prostitutes and and Kardashian claims. So that's what I'm going to have him talk about next. Let's hear from him. Oh, I mean, when I read about your story, the one thing you know, obviously, I'm like, this is ridiculous. The one thing that gave me pause is the thing that the Daily Mail ran on, which is, of course, the article about the, the, the entry about prom, which the Daily Mail ran on, you know, a lot of people ran on, they really sensationalized it, knowing that no one at the yeah. school would never have read it, knowing that I mean, that's one thing to write in those terms then. And I think, you know, would you if you had known in advance that all of this would happen, would you have written it the same way? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I probably would have tampered it slightly because then you know um but at the time as well it's kind of, it's really difficult because uh, I, I, I the, the pieces i was writing were primarily uh, uh to entertain yeah. yeah and primarily to 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 and uh, you know for people to be enjoyed and there was there was a level of you know it, there was a level of um uh, satire about it as well um would i say those things to uh the children who were i was in in, in local parentis of no no of course i wouldn't yeah. you know um would i do my best to build up those kids and make them feel great about themselves of course i would you know yeah. um so i think it, you know in in hindsight it, i yeah probably i wouldn't have wrote it because knowing that they would read it might upset them. But, yeah. you know, oddly, I've met bumped into loads of ex-students. They all read it. They all laugh about it. Um, they all come up to me and say, you know, that was really funny. You were absolutely spot on. Um, you know, so the reality is, I think the people who are getting offended by it certainly win the kids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it was people getting offended on, on, on the behalf of other people. Um, and it, that always feels a bit wrong to me because I just feel that by doing that, you're not allowing that person, the agency, to be offended for themselves, yeah. but to make their own decisions, you know, and say, do you know what, actually, that doesn't offend me. Um, and subsequently, there's a couple of comments on the blog, particularly, you know, from, from ex-students um, who now, of course, have found it. Um, and a few of them have reached out to me and just said, yeah, it's funny, you know, we, we all thought it was great and the school was a mess and... You know, you were one of the guys that was, you know, that tried to help us out. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, well, I, it's think, close to the bone, isn't it? Well, I think when people like me, and I've, I've been accused of being the embodiment of cancel culture in education because of my early involvement in the Kate Clanchy episode. But um, there's a huge difference between writing something privately, hyperbolically, to satirise, to make fun, that has no no attachment to individual children that's not a reflection on that was never intended for them to read and something that is explicitly designed for you know with your name attached and the place attached and the kids faces yeah, attached you know, those are just completely different situations you know so i'm yeah. not even sure they're part yeah, of the I'm same dead. conversation yeah, I mean, we very much made these arguments as, as part of my defence, um, you know, and, and they, those arguments were hashed and rehashed, and uh, as part of the um, as part of the um, workforce, uh, the EWC hearings, um, and they just wouldn't accept any of the arguments, yeah. you know, and just just dismissed it. Um, I mean, even if you read through, even if you read through and, and take the, the context of the prom piece as a whole. 
you know, the message behind it is that, that, that we should be trying to get these kids to be academically um, great and we should be teaching them that, it, it, you know, image isn't everything, yeah. you know. That was where it, that was the point where it was coming from. But obviously, if you take that quote in, you know, in isolation, in, in isolation, post-human Kim Kardashian claims an Eastern European yeah. prostitutes. That was the headline. Yeah, right? but so, yeah. If, if you actually, if you actually read the the paragraph with a view to sort of understand it or trying to understand that the point that I'm making, the point that I'm making is that I'm not individually slagging off and saying uh, the kids look a mess. I, but what I'm saying is that the we should be focusing in school. They can do what they want outside of school, but in school, we should not be forcing them into activities where they, where people can make value judgments against them. And you know, I mean, the, the town where this was happening, you know, this was like a, almost like an annual event. Um, and so the, the streets would be lined by the members of the communities, and they would literally parade the kids in their finery um, through the streets and it just felt so wrong to me it just didn't feel right at all you know um and uh, some of the kids it would it, you know really traumatized and really difficult because what choice have they got yeah they have to engage in yeah, yeah, and yeah. because of the way that this because there's no because the school is is the behavior and the culture is is so poor then the, the kids with the most cultural capital the, the kids who are the bullies they're the ones who are dictating what's going to happen on this prom day. And the kids who are not into it, they're forced into it. Yeah, they can't, a, really. As a, as a dual national, I, I have a thorough and complete understanding of the hatred of the public spectacle of prom. You know, like, I'm American yeah, I mean, as well as British, and it it can become the most yeah. toxic thing in the US. I think my favourite bit of context that was left out of the Daily Mail type stuff, but was in the Guardian version, was that you had just come back from a trip to the USA about women in engineering, taking girls on engineering or something, yeah. which is just a really lovely Absolutely. balance. So, so yeah. I mean, one, of, one of those kids, one of those kids now works for uh, Williams, um, you know, which is like, just that's just next level. Um, but I mean, if you read, uh, you know, just to throw a little bit more, context in there if you read the um, inspection report what one of the things that the the inspection pulls out specifically is poor performance of girls in key stage four now there's a very very specific reason why the girls in that school perform poorly and that's because there's another school in the town which used to be a boarding school which used to be girls only which has a uniform that costs about 500 pound a year and the school that i was in the uniform costs about 80 quid a year and that school selects by stealth they take the the best academically uh, girls from the community and they think you know it's just a, a known that if you know the parents that send the children and sharp elbow parents get their, their girls into that school so the other school ends up with what's left you know so and instead of making that argument and and speaking to Aston about it and, and getting them to look at why the what the actual reason was for the uh for, for the poor performance they just sort of started um twisting the screws and you know yeah. it's just really difficult but yeah so i mean in that context i took those girls you know and uh we reached um you know reached heights that, that nobody in that school had ever seen 
you know, we took them to Singapore uh, to wow. Texas. Um, one of them ended up, um, like I say, getting into the Williams Academy and getting a, um, you know, getting a job with Williams. Um, just at that absolute highest end, you know. So on the one hand, it was, you know, they're quite happy for that to happen, um, you know. And, and uh, yeah, and then like like you say, the context was com- completely lost. So I've got um, three adult girls myself, you know. So um, taking that out of context, it's just, you know, I'm definitely not uh, in that camp because <laughs> in my own home, I'm the uh, I'm the uh, the token male, if you like, you know. So um, it's it's just not where it's, that's not the place it was coming from, you know. But even if it was the place it was coming from, it still didn't have the impact that people thought. Well, I think that's the thing. Even, would, even if you were you know, the most sexist, unreconstructed, misogynist bloke in the world, right? Which you're not. If you were. Yeah. In a private blog yeah. that's fully anonymized, with no connection yeah. to, like, you know, that what you have a perfect right to be an asshole in private, right? Yeah, I mean, that's that's everyone's right. Everybody, yeah. yeah I mean, every, you know, everybody can be an asshole, but you know, I mean, but you weren't you know, an asshole. I mean, crucially, that's really important. But even if you were, that would have been okay too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and uh, so yeah, it's just uh, it's really mad. So, um, yeah. So um, I did ask you, and then we had a fairly funny exchange. Tone down the swearing. Tone down the swearing. That's me cutting out the swearing. The only person who swore there was me, of course. Um, right. So that is um, that's how that all went down. That's all the press coverage. We know the result was he was that there was nothing they could do about it. So he and the union officer, despite all of their their sensible pleading, pointing out to the school the the reputational consequences of them going forward with this, and the school refused to accept Alexander's resignation um, and his offer to take down the blog. Instead, they took it to a hearing where the Sun, the Daily Mail, every Welsh newspaper, all the local papers could hear every single one of these details put out. Um, And the reputational damage to the school was enormous at that point. as it was indeed to Alexander, who is not allowed to teach for the next two years. Um, He can reapply um, if he wants to, but he'd have to at that point um, deny, uh, renounce his his former blog, renounce his right to have written the blog, agree that he was in the wrong and the school was in the right. And he is understandably, after this investigation, disinclined to do that. And while I was talking, while I was playing that clip, He's been sharing some of the pages from the report um, attached to the the Teach Talk promo stuff on Twitter. Astonishing, astonishing the amount of time and forensic effort gone into pictures of carrier bags in the staff room. Just again, I would love to know how much this cost. So um, I was curious if the Free Speech Union, Toby Young's Free Speech Union, had got in contact with him. And um, as he'll tell us, he did, in fact, get in contact with the Free Speech Union. Let's find out what happened there. I'm very doubtful about Toby Young's Free Speech Union. I don't, I think they're probably drawn to certain kinds of speech that they want to protect yeah. rather than all speech that they want to protect. Um, yeah. And But you said they did actually reach out to you or did they? Yeah, well, I, well no, I, I actually reached out to them um, yeah. and um, 
Yeah, I reached out to them and uh, it was pretty much on the day that it was created. I mean, I'd have to go back, but I think the dates tie in. I'm pretty sure it was 2018, I think, which is, which is when he started up. And uh, I got, uh, I sent um, a basic synopsis about what was happening. Um, I, obviously, I couldn't give too much detail at the time because um, it was still ongoing and uh, you know, as Still an ongoing investigation. I got a really rapid response that sort of was really helpful, and then they were sort of quite, uh, quite forthcoming, and they seemed as though they would be interested in in helping. Um, and then I said, uh, "Who I was and the name of the Twitter account, and I just never heard of him again." <laughs> But then obviously that was probably something to do with the, you know, I've not uh, not taken any prisoners with Mister Young in the past. Right, uh, we can't speak. Neither I nor Alexander can speak to the motivations of um, Toby Young and the Free Speech Union and the people who work for that. But the point is, they did initially seem quite receptive and quite helpful. But for whatever reason, maybe they were overwhelmed with a slew of free speech cases. Um, they, they did not follow up with him. Um, I mentioned Will Noland at the very beginning of the show um, in an example of teachers who've been disciplined or lost their jobs for social media posting. Um, he was the man at Eton, the English school teacher of Eton, who um, ran a YouTube channel with his... Um, <laughs> you should go look at his YouTube channel sometime. I checked in on him recently to see how he was doing, hashtag free speech hero. And he has some interesting views. <laughs> anyway, he had this YouTube channel, um, the version of uh, the story that the sort of free speech union or he himself would say is that he was fired for making a video where he expressed his opinions. Um, what the school said, the headmaster at Eaton said was, no, he was he was let go because he refused to take it down. So he, which, yeah, and his name was attached to it. So this is a different thing. Not really here to debate the cases of Will Nolan. We're here really just for a provoked pedagogue today. But what's interesting about Will Nolan's case is that the Free Speech Union very much took up his case. Um, they tweeted relentlessly about it. He's in all their um, briefings, the, you know, all of the sort of associated media, kind of right wing, very free speech focused media like Conservative Woman, Co UK. Um, writing about how Eaton's taking up the cause. There's some really hyperbolic expressions of, you know, if we've lost freedom of speech at Eaton, then the whole country is going to crumble. This is the last bastion of our defence of being able to say what you want. Um, but they did not do that for Alexander. Right? So my next question for him is why he's not everyone's free speech hero. Because... Um, well, I, I think I, I allude to the Kate Clanchy case here. Um, Kate Clanchy, obviously not actually a teacher, um, but a, a sort of consultant, para-educational, you know, she does poetry work with students. She was a teacher in the past, but no longer. Um, her book, and that's a whole other story, and I've talked about that in a different um, broadcast, but the point is Kate Clanchy has ended up with quite a big platform. She's got lots and lots of articles coming out. She's got a new publisher. Um, she's got a lot of people on side. She, she writes for The Telegraph. She's written for The Mail. She's written for The Tortoise. She's written for Unheard. Big platform, but no one's asking Provoke Pedagogue to do it. I'm not seeing his face in the Daily Telegraph. I'm not seeing him picked up and promoted by the Free Speech Union. And so I have my own theory on why, and I ask him the same thing. Let's listen. So, I mean, I, I keep, I tag you in every time I have this conversation about cancelled educators. I'm like, well, no, I know a cancelled educator who was cancelled for free speech. 
here he is. Yeah. Not a woman whose book was dropped and picked up by another publisher and has article in the Telegraph, in the Times, in the Mail, in the... Has anybody asked you yeah. to write articles about free speech? And has that happened? <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe they don't like my writing style or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah, definitely not. Definitely not. So, what, um, why do you think yeah, that I mean, is? Do you think? I mean, can, could do you have any? I have got some speculation. I mean, I think that a lot of the sort of machinery of outrage about free speech is really only focused about certain types of speech and that yours is a much better case than almost any other I've heard for being, you know, front and center. This is a clear violation of free speech, but because, yeah. because of what you were talking about, they're not interested. You know, if you, yeah, if you've been saying something yeah. racist, well, I swear you'd have columns right now. You know, like yeah. the Telegraph would yeah. give you a regular spot. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, this is the thing. It's you know the the reality is it, you know maybe it's not not exciting enough yeah. or you know it's certainly not playing to the the correct people's base because the, the the reality of of my blog was probably coming from the the position where you know I was genuinely trying to improve things. And I know that maybe that sounds strange in the context of the the comments that they pulled out, but that that was where it was coming from. I wanted to improve a my my own mind space and b I was frustrated because I I could clearly see that we could do better. Um certainly in that school as a profession. Um and you know obviously around some of the comments and uh, some of the sort of uh, from a political point of view as well really some of the stuff that that school teachers are subjected to um needs to be stopped and needs to be pushed back against mm. and it's hard and it's difficult and um, sometimes it's nice to hear another voice out there that, that, that shared that experience and that you know um and that perhaps you know that could give you strength to maybe change something within your own school you know which is that that was the put that was where it was coming from and then obviously it was just take taken out of context but uh, clearly that message is not interesting to the culture wars people no, yeah it, there's know. no hot button issue you just genuine need for improvement isn't exciting enough genuine need for improvement isn't exciting enough um and i i stand by that throwaway comment i made there had he been blogging about the kind of profound misogyny that it seemed like maybe he he had if you just read like some of the, those six words out of context um then like will noland maybe the free speech union would have stood up for him maybe he would uh, have lots of speaking engagements if he'd been refusing to use a transgender child's correct pronouns i'm pretty sure that the free speech union which runs anti-trans speech pieces well, at least once a week several times a week pretty sure they'd have stood up for him but because his case doesn't involve anything that ties neatly as he said to an ongoing culture war that people are actually pushing the agenda of it has not been picked up and i think that is astonishing this is this is an astonishing case again a completely anonymized blog you can't tell what country it's from you can't tell what town what school what teachers what community um only ever seen by 1600 people at its peak he tracked all the you know the ips so literally no one from the community was looking at it and then the school 
hired an investigator who created, now just going through these things again because it's staggering, a 120-page report that included a printout of all of his social media blog posts, tweets that travelled to his community, recreated photographs in order to triangulate angles and prove that he'd been there at a certain time. Like, just... <sighs> when asked about it, again, he said, yes, that was me. There had been, as he said, no need to do any of this investigation. Had the head initially said, is this you? He would have said yes, right? So, when asked if it was him, he said yes, offered to take the blog down and resign on the spot. At which point, again, any reputational damage to the school was non-existent. The only person from the school who'd read that blog was the headmaster and him. So no one knew, but by taking it to a general hearing, those are public and um, that, you know, court reporters go along, it was very high profile and all of this stuff came out. So the school decided, the school judged that punishing him was more important than protecting reputational damage, that it was, it was of that import. And again, the subject that we're talking about here is essentially writing extremely hyperbolic caricatures of his head teacher. Nothing libelous. Uh, it's really important that we we recapitulate that bit because he's never been accused of libel, as as he said earlier. How can it be defamatory if everything in it is true? You know, here is all the evidence, none of which they chose to take into account. And one blog post about prom. Um, which was, it does sound derogatory about the girls, but which in the context of the longer blog post and indeed the context of the school, which is that they were specifically flagged for underperforming um, girls, that he was specifically a champion of women in engineering, that um, I just, yeah, here we are. Here we are at this place and, and his teaching career is over, essentially, because... Uh, we all know how this works. Even if after two years he goes back out and tries to teach, no one is going to hire him because even if it's not illegal or um, <laughs> if it's not illegal to write mean things about your head teacher in a blog, people, you know, there's there's too much stench attached to this, essentially. He's, he's, he's yeah, he's not going to be hired by any senior management anytime soon. They, they think that someone is sitting there observing them and, and writing mean blog posts where they compare them to characters from Lord of the Rings. They're just not going to get hired. Right, I'm going to uh, play the news again. And then when we come back, we're going to find out what he is doing now because, um, well, first off, he's got some, some really rousing thoughts on what other teachers could do in this situation. Um, also, there's a very happy ending about how his career is going. Not a teaching happy ending, but still a happy ending. Um, yeah, I'm just, this is the third time I've listened through to the investigation information and I'm still jaw dropped, struggling for words a little, which is unusual for me. Right, here's the news from Gail Glenn. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. 
They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles, and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cats. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure that Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. Introducing Autism Aspirational Futures, a virtual SEN conference for parents and carers. Do you work with parents or carers of students with autism? If so, this free virtual conference from Witherslack Group can support them and you. Providing inspiring talks from leading experts, offering practical advice on supporting children and young people with autism and associated needs. This very special event will take place during Autism Acceptance Week and is sure to be an enjoyable occasion for everyone wanting to develop their knowledge, understanding and celebrate their children's amazing superpowers. Don't miss out! Register for free at witherslackgroup.co.uk today. Witherslack Group, the leading provider of schools and children's homes for children with special educational needs. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In Wales, COVID cases among pupils and school staff have fallen slightly in the past week. Public Health Wales said cases reported by schools did not mean that infection took place there. This week, whole year groups have been sent home to work due to staff absences, with head teachers saying they cannot secure supply cover when staff are off for COVID and non-COVID reasons. Of the total 694 cases in the six days to March the 15th, 454 were in primaries, 177 in secondaries and 63 in other, which includes independent and special schools and pupil referral units. Surfers Against Sewage, a Cornish charity based in St Agnes, is calling on the government to help make all schools free of single-use plastics by the end of the year. Surfers Against Sewage says 
In 2018, the Education Secretary urged all schools to eliminate their use of single-use plastic by 2022. We are now in 2022 and the government have done nothing to support schools in achieving this. Emily van de Geer, Education Manager for Surfers Against Sewage said, the reason we want to do this as a collective activism action is so that schools can all join together at the same moment in time and make a voice so loud that the government has no choice but to listen. They have a really powerful voice and if we can help work with young people on knowing the power of that voice and where they can direct their energy and really encourage them all to become ocean activists, then we can really drive that change. Pupils in Portreath are among those who have been working hard to drive that change. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to look at technology and supporting us getting lunch. Why? Because I asked every teacher I met last week if they had lunch regularly, and most of them said no. The reason being, they're too busy most days. Now, right off the bat, I'm not going to discuss any types of diet. This is just about getting lunch. Simple ways to get calories in to power the body. As always, I've tested these things out for you and added my humble opinion. First, and with zero extra cost, using the technology of the freezer. You can freeze a sandwich. I quite like this idea as it stopped me eating a sandwich in the car on the way to a school. If I know a sandwich is there, it calls to me. It calls to me. It, calls it being frozen meant a hat to wait. The downside is making the sandwich. However, throwing 10 slices of bread down, adding filling and then into a Ziploc bag would be quite easy on a Sunday evening. You might need quite a bit of space in your freezer though. Next, I used a trusty thermos mug and noodles. I thought it was a good idea, but unlike a sandwich that you can eat on the go, I needed a fork and then had to consider not dripping it on my tie, so I actually had to stop and eat. So not as simple as a frozen sandwich, but I did have a hot lunch. Now hold on to your hats. I tried this again. I did enjoy a hot lunch, so I smashed the noodles up before I put the water in the second time around. That day, I drank my lunch. No need to find a fork, lid off, quick swig of noodles, genius. The downside I can see is washing the mug. I know I'll find it on the draining board waiting to be washed when I want to get out the door. Finally, I tried a snack bar. You can get these quite cheap online and you can find them to match most dietary needs. It was definitely the easiest option, but would be the most expensive over time. For me, it didn't feel as lunch-like, if I was being totally honest, but it did the job of rapid calorie input on the go. So, in conclusion, if you're not having lunch, why not try one of these ideas? You will definitely feel better for it. P.S. I googled International Lunch Day and it actually exists. However, it's on the 10th of March, so we've missed it. Gutted. As always, don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. Tell us what you have for your lunch. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. And we're back and we're about to find out what um, what Alexander's doing now. Uh, follow him, by the way, Provoked Pedagogue. Um, it's linked all over Twitter in all the promotion for this. Uh, just some comments from Twitter that have been coming in while the show is on. Gemma Clark says, and I think this is quite a crucial one, imagine that level of investigation went into corrupt politicians, to which Alexander has replied, or tax avoidance. Yeah, where we choose to spend our investigation money is very, very interesting, isn't it? And all of this deep commitment to, he's put up some of the photos 
that they've used to triangulate his location and, and, and prove that it's him in a certain place because they could recreate it on a map. If that went into tax avoidance, we'd be a much better country. Right. So final part of the interview, what's he doing now and what are his thoughts on um, options for other teachers in similar situations? So I had a wedding photography business and then uh, obviously COVID came in, which completely kiboshed that, flattened it out. It's picking up again now. Um, and during the time, so while I was on gardening leave, I just thought, well, I can either sit on my fingers and, and get miserable and depressed or I can go out and do something. So um uh, I went out, I uh, spoke to an old colleague of mine, um, offered to do a bit of work for him for free, uh, just to really get myself out of the house. Um, and then I just hatched this idea to uh, set up a company making garden rooms. Um, and then so as COVID came and destroyed my wedding photography business, the garden office um, business exploded, literally ex sure, yeah, exploded because yeah. all of a sudden everybody's working at home and yeah. they just hadn't really thought through the logistics of having three young children around. And uh, you know, we just haven't looked back ever since. We've got about, we've got a nine month waiting list now. Um, so we're just about to go from three full-time staff to four, four full-time staff separate into two teams and um, we're working all over the country cover the whole of the uk it's brilliant so i'm currently talking to you from a, a hotel room in london um we're building a a, a, a floral design studio um wow. for a, a a lady who does a lot of um floristry for tv uh, um, so yeah, we've got some really, really cool, really interesting projects on the go. So I just haven't looked back, back since, really. Um, and but do you know what? What always, what I always come back to is, I'm lucky. I've got that that wide skill set. I will, you know, I, I will. I'll, not everybody's like that, you know. I mean, if you've been a, a teacher for thirty years in um, maths, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're you're bullied in, in a school and then um, flung into a, a process which you've got no control over and uh, ultimately sacked and struck off. Where, where does that leave you? Yeah. You know, yeah. um, and that that's that's you know that that was the thing that was that was prevalent in my mind. It's not you know I'll, I'll do anything you know, and I'm I'm I'll. I'll you know, literally go out and, and do anything, and I have done in the past. And, uh, you know, it's never really been a massive issue for me to reinvent myself, but that's just not the case for some people, is it? And, yeah. and, and you know, if that, you know, in, in that respect, have those people got any real free speech? They haven't, have yeah. they? You know, because they, you know, maybe they don't want to go shouting out about problem and making a bit of a dick of themselves on the on the internet but that you know how, how do you know that they're not just going to have one uh, one thing that upsets one person which puts the chain of events which ultimately leads them uh, you know to be managed out of a school and of course the older uh, teacher the longer that you, you've been a teacher the higher at the pay scale you are the more difficult it becomes to to move from uh, school to school particularly if you don't want to move up into the into the leadership spline so I think it's a very real thing and I think there's lots and lots of people who you know just maybe feel really frustrated and, and unable to sort of tell uh, speak truth to power really and uh, so um, yeah that was sort of in the back of my mind really
So that's a beautiful line to end on. Like I said, uh, one of the most amazing things about doing an interview with Alexander is that he speaks in perfect paragraphs. Uh, just about uh, the man can deliver these august and balanced sentences with either or. I was making notes listening back to this on um, on some of the things he've said there, all of which should be tattooed on some kind of body, public body probably, rather than a private one. But it's never really been an issue for me to reinvent myself. But but other people don't have those opportunities. Do they really have free speech? Can we really have free speech? So before I leave here today, um, it's been a fighty week on Twitter. And when that happens in Edu Twitter, a lot of people start throwing around words like harassment and libel. Um, let's not do that. Let's not let's not contribute to a social media environment where we can end up being stalked by a private investigator, end up having our have the view from our windows triangulated to prove that it may or may not have been us who said something mean about a head teacher on Twitter. Um some people have joined in, Penny Ravengers joined in saying that um her senior management decided that a post she'd written about ineffective SLT, which was a general post, was was really about them. Um that other people have talked before about uh turning up to their pigeonholes in schools and finding social media posts or blog posts with big red highlighting around sections that senior management found objectionable. Um, some people's schools are much more defensive about it, especially if you've been insulting them by calling them, you know, grim or worm tongue, I guess. Uh, but again, just a plea, let's not do that to each other. Let's not contribute to that as much as possible. Right, that has been me, Tabitha McIntosh, and that has been the endlessly fascinating um, totally interesting, provoked pedagogue who you'll have to wait six months to get a garden room designed by him, but um, sounds amazing. And I hope that you, like me, have been as outraged by this story um, as it's possible to be, uh, to me, it seems. And, and again, as I said to him, I am quite often called the cancel queen of, of edgy Twitter people. Some people very much think of me as the Twitter police. Um, that I will wade in with my takes and get people cancelled. I wish I had that kind of power. I don't wish I had that kind of power. But this is a man who was genuinely cancelled, as it were, for free speech. He lost his livelihood for writing a completely anonymised blog that no one from the school or community was reading. Cannot say that enough times. If there was derogatory or disrespectful language, it was never. It would never have been read. It happened in a vacuum. Right? I'm sorry, I feel like... Apologies to Alexander that I keep belaboring this, but it had a very small readership. <laughs> so, you know, not, not to dismiss his blog, but it was not being read by the whole nation. It was not the secret barrister or the secret footballer. It wasn't, you know, there wasn't huge speculation nationwide about which school could this be? This was a tiny niche blog of, you know, a man venting his frustrations about his school. <laughs> yeah, describing girls in ways that I find, I still find unpleasant to listen to. Um, but again, just, A, all of this came out without context, and B, none of it ever, ever, ever would have been read by anyone in the school community, by any parent, by any member of the town, by any, any young person, had it not been for the school deciding to go after him because he was rude about them in silence, essentially, which gets quite close to being a thought crime although you know right 
So this has been me, Tabitha McIntosh. I'll put up some links to the garden room business and uh, uh, make sure you commission one. Um, I did suggest to him that maybe teachers who get um, struck off for free speech violations could could take a, a week in turn to be trained by him in a craft or trade. But then I imagine myself as an English teacher wielding any kind of of tool and um unless it's cream amorphism or, or anaphora or hyperphora it ain't happening so he did kindly say maybe maybe the english teachers could write the copy for the facebook page so that's a career for us lads okay all right this has been me i will be back next week and um be angry people bye You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.